What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Rad Rides Podcast. My name is Jason Zollers, your host as always. And today I have a very special guest. There is not many times where I can say that I have been in the presence of something that happens to be the world's fastest, but today on the podcast, I absolutely have that. I have a guy by the name of Mike Gombos. He has built the world's fastest Gallant VR4. His happens to be a 1991 version. They only built 2,000 of these in 1991. They actually only built 1,000 of them in 1992, which makes this a very rare car. He's actually taken this thing and gone completely through it. It still has the 4G63. Thank God he kept that in there. I love that motor so much. If you've ever listened to the podcast too much, you know that I love Mitsubishis. But he left it in there. It's all-wheel drive. It ran an 874 at 163 miles an hour in the quarter mile. And he has big plans to upgrade this and make this thing go faster. We spoke a lot about how he built it and how he got into it, uh, all the people that have helped him out throughout this uh, entire journey that he has had, and uh, what upgrades he has next to actually go quicker. He wants to hit the sevens, which is absolutely crazy. But I had a great time with him. It's a little bit uh, different experience. We actually had to do this in a parking lot as there wasn't enough room to pull two cars in his garage. He actually built this thing in a car and a half garage. So uh, he had another one in there he was working on so couldn't fit it. But we did it in a parking lot. We had a great time. I really enjoyed it. I hope that you're really going to enjoy this as well. You can always get online, www.radridespodcast.com. Check out the full feature on there. I took a bunch of pictures. So if you ever want to know what we were talking about and what we were seeing while we were, we were talking, you can get on there and uh, actually see uh, the full feature. Uh, if you want to build something similar to this, you're going to want to listen pretty closely and you're going to get on there and look at it. So without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Mike Gombos. It's pretty easy, and like after the week that I've had, it's yeah. This is nice. <laughs> I mean, it's only Wednesday, and work has kicked my ass all week long. So this is uh, this is nice being here. So, but um, we're recording now. So right. uh, and this, so, welcome everybody. First off, to the podcast. This is a, a special situation. Um, we're over here with Mike Gombos, and his what would you say, ninety-one Gallant? Yep. Correct. VR four. Um, it is the world's fastest yep. VR4 Gallant. Am yep. I am I okay in saying yep. that? Best okay. Uh, quickest ET and fastest mile per hour right That's now. That's incredible. And we're in a special situation because Mike has the motor out of the car, and so he ha he was gra uh, grateful enough to bring his trailer, and we took it to a parking lot right next to his house, and we're doing the podcast in a parking lot. This is the first time for me. <laughs> this is a good test because uh, I would like to go to a track at some point and interview people at the track and things like that. So this is a great first test for, for this equipment out here and kind of the wild, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, good, good test run. <laughs> it is a great test run, yes. And you know Chris Barno, and that's Barno actually uh, turned me on to you. Uh, obviously, yep. Barno had the Evo in one of the previous episodes, which is very fast. Yep. And uh, he was like, yeah, you might want to go check out this guy with a Gallant. And me, being a Mitsubishi guy at heart, I was like, well, there's a guy with a Gallant. And it's the world's fastest Gallant? I was like, oh, we got to talk to this guy. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah, always, nah. ask, I always ask the can question, like, why did you pick this car? And I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'm going to say, why in the hell did you pick this car? <laughs> because you don't see these things out around anymore. And um, while VR4 Gallants, I love, but I like weird cars a whole lot. 
I'm sure a lot of people don't even know what a VR4 Galant is or that they even were produced. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, I guess a couple things. I've already always been into DSM, so my first car was actually a non-turbo second gen. Okay. And then second gen Eclipse or second gen uh, second gen Eclipse. Eclipse, okay. Um, right. So, you know, messed around with that, took it to the mm -hmm. track. It was painfully slow. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it went like 17s in the quarter or sure. something. So, one day, you know, I was like, I went to the track. It was terrible again, and I was like, I, I need to find a turbo, you know, Talon or Eclipse or something. Uh, I had a couple friends with uh, first gens, mm -hmm. so that's why I started looking at. I found one. I went to the track Wednesday. I found that when I was in I was in high school at the time, uh, you know, on one of the forums um, <laughs> during one of my classes, you know, just messing around, <laughs> not really paying attention. Back, back when forums were like the thing. Yep. They're just gone now, which which sucks. Yeah, yeah it's mean, sad. I mean, it's very sad. There was a lot of good information on those forums. Yeah, and they, you know, it was a good community. Everyone knew each other and all mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, it's definitely sad to see them go. But uh, so found my first in the very next day. Uh, and went to look at it that weekend and bought it. So after a couple of days of being, you know, not real happy about the results at the track, I went and got, bought that. Nice. So had that for a while, uh, ended up- They had the 4G in it, 4G6? Yep. Six, it was six, a all-wheel drive black cherry Talon. Ooh, I actually nice. had it, it was mine until about a year ago. I sold it to a friend of mine, Chad, and we actually just finished putting that back together to, uh, I mean, it was running in, in drivable, but there's still a lot to finish it. Was it uh, front-wheel drive? Was it, was it all -wheel TS, TSI, all-wheel drive? Yep. TSI, right? TSI, all-wheel yep. drive. TSI, yep. all-wheel drive. So, got that, you know, first thing, obviously, was a boost controller and a boost gauge, try to go faster. I didn't really know anything at the time, so <laughs> ended up blowing that up on uh, 66, racing a friend of mine. Okay. <laughs> and that, that's kind of where it all, all started. Um, you know, didn't really have the money to pay someone to build a motor for me or anything right. like that so went over to another buddy's uh, garage and started tearing the motor out um, went through all that I uh, put the bottom end together myself uh, again didn't really know what I was doing sure. so got lucky on that went on the lasted. forums yep went on yes. the forums now now you can get on YouTube and rebuild a car if you really wanted <laughs> yep. to you know yep but uh, yeah so rebuilt that and then I was going to Wyatech at the time so probably a year after I rebuilt it, uh, I took it back apart to build a, my first cage in it uh, when I was at Wyotech, and then it was never back together until this past year. <laughs> so it sat there. How long? How how long a span was that? That was 2000, September of 2006 to. Oh, uh, let's see. We fired it up about a month ago. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, wow. So that car's time. been down for a very very long very time. long time. Yes. But well, I'm glad y'all did it justice and finished the project. Yep. At least you know. Yeah. It. Uh, is alive again. So. Yes, I'm but, sure that uh, was kind of you were you were pretty happy to see that. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was kind of sad that it's you know not mine anymore, but it went to a good good owner, uh, sure. my friend Chad Kersdorfer, and uh, you know it'll be at the track soon enough. Nice, nice. But uh, I guess continuing on, I had a couple you know just beater cars, and then had a Cavalier. Ended up trading that for another Cavalier two G. Nice. Uh, Cavalier Eclipse. like a special Cavalier, nope. or just nope. just, just a base model old... manual. You know, 2003 Cavalier. Just had a fun with it. Yeah, I beat the crap out of it. Okay, thing. yeah. But well, it, most it Cavaliers it are and, like that. You know, <laughs> did some good burnouts in it and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I dated a girl. Actually, so uh, my I say, we're in Irwin, PA, for anyone who, who's wondering where we are, uh, which is right next to Greensburg. So I dated a girl in Greensburg, and she bought a beater Cavalier. 
and she's like, well, can you go test drive it for me and everything? I was like, I would love to. This thing was a piece of crap. I mean, complete piece of crap. And I took it out there and I did. I, took, I did a few burnouts. I, I stopped pretty hard. I'm like, yeah, I think the car was going to be okay. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know, probably to this day, she, I don't know if she still have it or not, but it was like, like every other Cavalier, three different colors yep. with patch panels all over the place and a little bit rusted out. So yep. pretty typical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, All the Cavalier guys are mad right now. Yeah. Sure. Yes. <laughs> so I guess moving on from that, I, I ended up picking up another second-gen Eclipse this time. And uh, that was turbo all-wheel drive. Uh, I picked that up uh, over by a new Ken. Yep. GSX? Uh, yep. yep. And then, you know, did some things to it. I ended up painting that, too. That was probably... So I painted the first 2G. That was okay. the first car I painted. All right. And then I painted my first-gen actually twice. And then I painted the 2G after I had that for a little while. So did that. That was the first car I actually put like a standalone ECU on it and everything. And okay. then I got hooked on tuning through that car. Right. And actually the, the other Galant that's in my garage, mm -hmm. um, that's a good friend of mine, Dan. Uh, he's the one that kind of got me started on tuning, like showed me what to do and every, everything like that. And then I just kind of messed with stuff and yeah. progressed on my so own. So what year is that Galant that was in your garage? Uh, that's also a 91. Okay, 91. So yeah. That thing's beautiful. That thing was really nice. I love the historical plate on the back. Yeah, because it is historical and it's kind of ironic that <laughs> the, the other thing that's cool about that is um, not only is it a 91 like this one, same color and everything. Uh, this shell actually came from Dan as well. Oh, and okay. the shell that's in the garage right now that used to have the record. Oh, so okay. Oh, wow. Back wow. in 2010, I want to say October 2010, that car went 949. And I think it had a best trap of 153. And uh, yeah, so he had the record for a while. So he's kind of my mentor, I guess, as, okay. as far as like the Galant stuff goes and tuning and everything. So, you know, we've been on a lot of like parts trips and stuff like that. And, you know, helping each other out with uh, his Galant, my Galant, and my 2G. So anyway. Brothers so, from another mother. Just yeah, brought together exactly. by Galant yep. and love for DSMs. Yep. <laughs> which, which, might I say, they're kind of coming back. Like, DSM got a real bad rap there for, I don't know, for a very long time, yep. you know? And I, I feel like they're starting to, like, catch again. I'm, I've been seeing a lot online. Um, obviously, like I said, I have one, so I'm a little, a little partial to it. But uh, I feel like at some point they're going to come back and they're going to be the car to have again. Oh, yeah. Know? I mean, you know, clean ones are starting to, you know, go for a premium right now. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of the people that might have had them you know years ago and they were like maybe it was their first car or whatever they're kind of you know maybe they're making more money or whatever and they're kind of appreciating them more so you know they want to when they put them together there's like a little bit of pride there to you know keep it nice and do everything the right way sure but uh yeah so anyway i had the 2g had some issues with that you know it wasn't like super clean or anything so i was like I need to get a Gallant, and then Dan was pushing me a little bit. He's like, "You should, you know, you should get a Gallant, mm -hmm. obviously, because he had, I don't know about it at the time, but eventually, somewhere between there and now, he had five Gallants at one point. Five Gallant. Okay, so he's hooked on Gallant. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's the Gallant old, guy. Old school Gallant guy for okay. sure. <laughs> old school Gallant guy. Don't hear that a whole lot. <laughs> so, and like, you know, back in the day, like when he was getting started, like he built his car, and he actually, um, he had Kurt Brown drive it. I'm sure you've heard that name. Yes. Uh huh. Um, and then he tuned for Kurt for a little while. And then, uh, you know, he started driving his own car. I mean, still this, I mean, when Kurt drove it, that was like 04. So, right. you know, uh, quite a long ways away. And he, he had some issues with it. Um, 
he actually had a, a fire at one point and then wow. he rebuilt it and then in 06 he came out you know pretty hard yeah and uh was really starting to go fast um what, what was the step change on it do you think for him um i think because because i mean there's been step changes as far as tuning goes in the import community right i mean you know uh, in i should say you know the 90s i mean primitive you know fuel injection and stuff like that there was not a whole lot of tuning and then it just seems like within the past probably 10 years, like the turbo technology has gotten better, the tunability of all these cars have gotten better, the ECUs have gotten better. Yep. Um, what, what do you think his step change was on that? I mean, I think he was always big in tuning, so he always, you know, had the guy or was the guy with like a standalone, you know, he didn't really want to mess with stock ECU. And, you know, I'm, I kind of took on that same mentality. If anyone's like, oh, what ECU should I run? You know, I always try to push him towards a standalone because if you're going to race the car, you know, it's even now probably more than ever it's safer to run uh, a standalone mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of fail safes um you know safeties that shut off the car or whatever and, and it can really save it so and then i feel like a lot of the times with stock ecu stuff you know you kind of have to cheat it to make it do what you want it to right. do. right yeah so you don't really have any of those worries you know going to a standalone and then also i mean i think after he had the the fire you know he upgraded turbos and stuff like that and I think like when he came back out, he was like really gunning for it. Gunning for it, yeah. So, um, so he was out to be the fastest Gallant. Yep. In, yeah. Okay. Even on uh, if you went on like the old GallantVR4.org forum, uh -huh. I don't know if it still says it, but under his you know screen name, it said fastest member, which is pretty cool. Nice. That's cool. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, so he was kind of pushing me to get a Gallant. I always like them because I like anything that is. You know, basically how you drew a car when you're five years old, it's just a box, you know? <laughs> I always liked like square bodied cars, yes. you know, Datsun 510s, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I found a green shell up near Syracuse um, that drove out with a buddy of mine. We took my dad's car and then I drove it home and then my buddy followed me home in my dad's so, car. So it was a running, driving? Yep. It okay. was like pretty much stock. I think it had a cat back on it or something like that. Uh, other than that, I don't think it had anything. Um, and tell tell everybody why the VR4 is so kind of coveted within the DSM. So world. you know it still has the same drivetrain and everything as any really first gen Talon or Eclipse. I mean that the subframe out of this car is literally out of a 1G. Okay. Um, and you know so it's it's cool that it has all the the same power potential and everything like that. But they only made 3,000 of them. So there were 2,091 and 1,092. So they're a pretty rare car. And, you know, you just don't see that many of them around. Right. Yeah. And people like, you know, like we said, DSMs really didn't get a, a, a and rightfully so, didn't get a good name because of the reliability was never there. Yep. And, you know, the electronics were a little, little garbage. And, oh, yeah. you know, uh, you know, especially with the second gens, you know, things like crank walk and, and a lot of the motors were blowing up uh, and they just didn't have that reliability. Um, and so I think people, you know, kind of walked away from them and went with Hondas or, Nissans that were a little more reliable, um, but there were people who who stayed on these things, you know, uh, pretty well. And there's probably a lot of guys who, when they blew the motor, it was probably too expensive, and probably the car wasn't worth yep. it anymore. So they were just like, take it to the junkyard, man. I don't need yep. it anymore. For you sure. Know? And uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know 2,000. It was only 2,000 that were made. Yep. That's pretty low production oh, number. 3,000. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2,091 and 1,092. Oh, okay, I'm so, sorry, Yeah, they, they also only made it for those two years. Two years, so. yeah. Yeah, so it is a rare car. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. they rare. have, you know, uh, 
like a number plaque on the dashes and stuff like that. Oh, and they, okay. they, they always they really... come with like a like a key fob that matches oh. the dash plaque stuff. Like oh, that. nice. So, similar to like a Integra Type R or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So you found this one up in Syracuse and you drove it home, no problems. Yeah, and it, it was actually a different shell. So um, drove it home and I dailyed it for a while. You know, I went to school up at Penn State, uh, Barron up in Erie, mm -hmm. and so you know, it saw uh, a couple winners. Couple. You know. <laughs> So it ended up not being uh, real clean on the underside. You know, there was definitely rocker rust, stuff like that. And then, um, but you know, I still drove it for a while. With that car, I built the motor and everything. So when I say I built it, like the motor in 2013, right. that was in that shell, but oh, the same okay. motor. Very nice. Um, oh, someone's coming by. This is this is the perks <laughs> of working in a parking lot right now. Yep. <laughs> My man just rolled by in like a uh, Pontiac what is that? I don't even know uh, what that Grand is. Grand Prix, I think. Grand Prix with uh, chrome everywhere, and he had a big spliff hanging out of his mouth. So he was jamming. He was jamming pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. People you see in Irwin, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry. Back oh, to no, you're, sorry. you're good. Um, so anyway, I built the motor, had a couple different turbo setups on that at HX35. I had it in bolt-on form and then T3 form, and then I eventually bought the turbo off Dan that he went 949 on, which was a uh, force performance. Uh, FP3794. Mm -hmm. Ran that for a while. Um, ran that in that shell through, I guess, really 2016. And that was the setup that I first broke into the nines on. Nice. So at the shootout in 2015, you know, had a couple passes trying to get used to it. I never really did like a full pull on the street, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, ended up going 982 at 143 with that setup. That's quick, man. <laughs> so. And but, did you. Did you drive it there or did you trailer it there? Uh, I did trailer it there. You trailer I, it there. I drove it around on the street once I got it there. Okay, all right. Uh, but uh, I did I did trailer it there just okay. in case. Um, that would be fun to go nine seconds in a street car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just be uh, able to, to I, laugh in 4G63 at everybody as oh, you yeah. pass by them. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely, I didn't drive it there, but it definitely saw street miles. So okay. um, same setup, but in this shell. Uh, I took it on the Pizza Power Tour that yeah, Jeff Power Tour. does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, 150 miles there. You know, I drive it around here all the time. Sure. So, but uh, after that, I had a, a PAR brand dog box in it, and that kind of exploded just kind of cruising on Route 30 out here. Oh, boy. So, which was kind of weird because I, I wasn't actually beating on it yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, it sat for, well, not really sat, but didn't race it for a couple years. You know, saved up to get another dog box. Mm -hmm. Um and just kind of street drove it. I put a stock trans and like a stockish clutch in it. Okay. Uh, took it to a dyno day and it made, at PRO on their dyno jet, it made 608 on pump gas. Wow. On wow, to the wheels. Yep. Wow. On probably 28 pounds or so. And then fast forward to 2017, like I said, the shell was pretty rusty. Mm -hmm. So I went out to my buddy Dan's house. He was selling his house, he was moving at the time. And this shell was actually in the weeds behind his garage. And oh I was my. like, you know, hey, can I buy, like, the hood and fenders off of it? You know, maybe fix the rust on my car. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I really need to get rid of some stuff so you can just take it. Oh, um, wow. Free shell. Yep. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't, again, I can't thank him enough for right. that. And uh, so I brought it home, planning on just taking some parts off of it and then scrapping the shell. Well, started, you know, pulled the side skirts off and everything, no rust on it. Like, some oh, of the bolts wow. were still gold underneath. Oh, wow. So I was like, man, I really need to... Uh, just swap everything over to this. And was it a VR4 or was it a, a just a just a yep, regular? It was a VR4. Wow. Yep. Okay. Okay. So he just had a really nice. So it had you know it had like the three bolt rear end in it and stuff, mm -hmm. but no motor or anything. Yeah. 
some of the wiring was there, but I mean, I liked it because it didn't, it wasn't a sunroof car, so you save weight there and. Sure, oh yeah, that's true, yeah. All that. Was your other one a sunroof car? Yep. Okay, so, all right. Just taking that out, you know, saves about 50 yeah. pounds, 40, 50 pounds. Sure. So, yeah, picked that up and I was like, that was about a month before the shootout that year. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get everything swapped and take it to the shootout. Nice. And I tried my hardest, but didn't, didn't quite make didn't it. Didn't make it? But I did start it probably, I don't know, a month or so after the shootout. Okay. Um, but then it kind of sat, I did get it running and stuff until the following year, about right around May, I was like, okay, time to, time to get it in shootout mode. So I didn't sleep <laughs> for about, I don't know, two or three months. <laughs> and, uh, I built the cage, uh, all straight tubing, like borrowed a bender off of my buddy, Steve, um, you know, made my patterns and everything. Mm -hmm bent everything up, notched it, welded it, all in that, that garage you were just in. Um, and then after I finished that, um, did all the body work and painted it in the, in the same garage. Okay. So, so, so we're talking, we, he, he had a, uh, uh, I guess you say a smaller two-car garage. It's yeah. not like I a mean, bigger two-car garage. It's, it's probably not even 20 by 20. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. And so you ha obviously you have the, the one Gallant in there right now, and then you could probably put this next to it, but you couldn't work on the two at the same time. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, when you said you did it in your little garage, it's a it's a small garage to build a, a race car out of. Yep. You know, let alone the world, one of the world's fastest race cars for its, you know, its, uh, its body type, so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm definitely... You know, proud to say that I did everything myself. I mean, paint, cage, tuned it. Um, you know, all the fab work as far as like intercooler pipe stuff like that. Um, it's a JMF intake manifold that I had on it, mm -hmm. and like a DNP exhaust manifold. So I didn't make those, but right. Um, but all the piping and everything, yeah, you know, everything that goes along with it. And, and aside from that, the only thing that I didn't make were right now were the motor mounts, which I got from uh, Curtis Kane, who owns Boosted Fabrication, uh, oh, nice. which they're actually right down the street. Curtis does awesome work. Um, can't thank him enough for those. And he's also working on building me a subframe. So oh, nice. that'll save, I think he said about 30 to 35 pounds or so with that. Jeez. So um, hoping to get this thing, you know, in the 2,300 pound range without okay. me in it. What was it when it originally came off the factory floor? Uh, about 3,200 pounds, wow. 3,300 pounds, depending on, you know, all your options and everything. Right, so sure. I have, I don't know, eight, 900 pounds out of it right now. Yeah, that's 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 quite a lot and everything on the inside's gutted i'm sure yep yeah. i mean i didn't really cut a lot of stuff out uh -huh. other than the doors so like right. you could bolt on other doors and you know it yeah, wouldn't really be a, cut yeah. but um they're still factory doors just gutted uh it has a lexan windshield which my buddy dan helped me out with that too i was it had a broken windshield in it tried to get a windshield couldn't get it in time for the shootout mm -hmm. so my girlfriend sarah was out by him he lives in columbus and i knew he had that and i was like Hey, can I like buy that off you? Cause mm -hmm. the shootout's like in two days. He's right. like, yep. So Sarah met him, picked it up. And I, I put that in like the day we left. The day of. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So when you get, when you went out to, to build this thing, did you go out to be the fastest VR, VR4 Gallant in the world? So, you know, I mean, your goals kind of always progress, uh -huh. you know? So the first thing I want to do was hit a nine second pass. So I did that in 2015. And then after that, you know, Dan wanted to hit eights when he was really going after it. So I kind of wanted to, you know, get that for them. I got you. So ever since I went nines, eights have been the goal. So it took me a few years to get there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, reliability has actually been pretty decent. You know, had some trans stuff, which is pretty right. typical for these. Uh, but motor wise, really haven't had any issues. I 
the first year I had it out, like with this shell and everything, mm -hmm. um, ended up dropping 152 that year. But on the very next pass, I did a 121, or I'm sorry, a 232 shift. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it saw 11,600 RPM. Wow. Which didn't hurt the motor wow. other than it broke a rocker. Oh, okay. And I didn't know it at the time, so I kept racing it. And I had like a misfire over like eight grand, but I ended up going like 10-0 like that. Jeez. And then, <laughs> yeah, so you know, it still still did pretty decent. Um, brought it home, found the broken rocker, it was pretty obvious. Fished all the needle bearings out of the mm -hmm. oil pan and uh, slapped another rocker in there and it was good to go. Good to go, yeah, yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, uh, when you, I guess when you first built it, where did you start? Did you start? With the motor, did you start by gutting it? Did you, did you where did you start at? So, um, you know, all the like basic bolt-on stuff, you know, mm -hmm. I built exhaust, yeah. intercooler pipe, stuff like that. And then once I had some of that done, I was like, okay, it's time to build the motor. I mean, the motor in it was like, it was a stock motor, mm -hmm. had some miles on it, you know, compression wasn't real great, that right. kind of stuff, all, you know, on and it. And that's so. the, the 4G63, and so that was the Gen 1 4G63, yep. correct? six bolt. Yep. It's a six bolt, yes, correct. And that's the one that, I have a two the second gen. That's the one. That's what everybody swaps in there. Is usually either the Evo motor or the first gen six bolt. Yep. That they want in there because the the second gen, which it, it's fine. It's fine for street use and everything. It just it can't handle the power. <laughs> yeah, definitely some some issues with those. There's definitely some issues. Yeah. So so it, you you pulled the motor out of it, refreshed it. I'm sure. You know yep. what I mean. What all what all's all on the internals on that? So I did pretty a pretty standard build. It had a manly turbo tough. Uh, steel rods in it, uh, stock length, not a long rod or anything mm -hmm. like that. And uh, the Wiseco HD, uh, they're actually pistons out of an Evo, so they have the 22 millimeter wrist pin. Um, and then you can buy rods with that pin size in them. Okay. So in like a six bolt with the first gen head, it makes like 10 to one or so mm -hmm. for compression. So I got that stuff and then I took it to uh, a guy named Ray down at Station Auto in Coriopolis. Um, actually looks just like a little Napa. But oh, really? <laughs> that's uh, that's actually the machine shop that Kurt Brown used. So there's a lot of fast 4G63 motors that came out of that. Oh, place. really, huh? Yep. Okay. So good to know. All the like Kurt Brown motors, you know, they, they came out of that machine shop. Uh, he might have assembled them. I'm, I'm not really sure, but mm -hmm. all the machine work was done by Ray and a guy named Woody that works for him. Um, and I found about out about that place again through my friend Dan, sure, because um, he had all his motors done through him. Um, and then the head, I actually ported myself. Oh wow! So again, I try to do as much myself yeah, as possible. Right. Well, um, keeps costs down and racing is expensive. So <laughs> yeah, and you know, I just I like learning how to do it myself, and I like mm -hmm. not having to you know rely on other people to sure. to do it. Um, but all the machine work, valve job, everything like that was done by a local machine shop. Um, I'm friends with the owner, Luke, Luke uh, Bainbridge nice. at uh, PNR Engine Rebuilders. So he's actually going to, I, I keep kind of putting it off. I never got the block prepped yet, but mm -hmm. I got a fillet. Uh, I got aluminum rods for it and oh, stuff wow. like that. So I got to get that prepped for him, but uh, I'm going to drop that off to him. He's going to do all the machine work for me, put like half inch head studs, stuff mm -hmm. like that in it. And then I'm going to try to do the assembly on the bottom end this time. Oh, nice. Well, you've done one already, so. Yeah, and I actually know what I'm, know what I'm doing a little, a little bit, bit better anyway. now. <laughs> so hopefully uh, that one will will do well. But uh, yeah, so I mean, if I'm going to have machine work done on a 4G, it's either going to be Luke or Ray. Okay. Uh, there's no one else I would trust. Good to know. Um, 
they both do great work. Um, so yeah, can't really say enough yeah. about those guys. Sure. Uh, I actually popped the head gasket last summer um, after I went 927, you know, trying to push for the eights. And I took that up to Luke. He O-ringed it for me, he redecked it, and literally had it done in a day. Oh, wow. So I was able to make it, uh, put it back together and make it to the IFO and at uh, Dragway 42 the next oh, weekend. Nice. So anyway, so yeah, that's kind of how the bottom end went together. Mm -hmm. And then drove around on the street for a few thousand miles, raced it in 2015. And then, like I said, got that shell, swapped everything over, got it running. And then the very next year in 2018, um, that's when I built the cage and painted everything. Right. So, kind of a procrastinator. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, ended up finishing that. You know, we planned on leaving for the shootout on, I think, Wednesday uh -huh. that week. Wanted to leave around dinner time, you know, after work and everything. And we ended up not leaving until, actually, I'm sorry, that was Thursday, not Wednesday. We ended up leaving at about 3 a.m. Friday morning. And oh, made wow. it to Norwalk by, I don't know, 6.30 or so. Uh -huh. And, uh... After I swapped everything to this shell, very first time it drove was down to this parking lot to put it on the trailer. Oh, nice. So Nice. So this parking lot means a lot to you right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, unloaded at Bushers. You know, I was there for their Friday, like, car show and dyno day thing. Drove it up and down the street just to make sure, you know, the wheels didn't fall off Yeah, sure. Yeah, nothing. You don't hear anything falling off the car. And then, uh, yeah, that same weekend was when I went 152 in the quarter. So okay. that, was a, that was a good weekend. That was, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. So what, what kind of turbo setup and everything are you running as far as the, your forced induction size? If you want to tell everybody. No, that's I know fine. some drag racers. I'm, I know some of these guys don't like to give everything out. You know what I mean? I know. Oh, I, like, I don't want to be secretive about it. I have the world's fastest. I don't want everybody else to build something. You know, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm all about like helping people out, yep. you know, it seems in, like a lot of people way, are. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, like, you know, you watch those shows on discovery channel. I'm not going to say which one, but they're like, Oh yeah, I wouldn't let anybody look underneath my hood. You know what I mean? And I don't want them beating me in there racing for big, you know, uh, air quotes, big money. Um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of that is provided by the network, yep. but, um, you know, they don't, they play it up that they don't want anybody knowing what's underneath their hood. Yep. So, uh, but I, I see it the other way. You need another beer, by the way? Yeah, sure. I'll okay. take one. By the way, we're drinking Line and Kugel in a parking lot. So if a cop comes, we're, uh, we're drinking, drinking beers in a parking lot. Thank That's you, fine. Whatever. Um, but uh, it, seems to, it seems to me like local guys, a lot of local guys around here, everybody's trying to help everybody else out. Yep. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to see everybody go fast and, and safely, you know? Yep. So, so, yeah, I mean, as far as the setup goes, um, it's a... Again, Force Performance, it's a 4299. So a lot of people have heard of their Super 99 Turbo. Mm -hmm. So it's basically that same cold side, but with a bigger turbine wheel and turbine housing on it. So it's a T4 divided hot side with a 42R turbine wheel. So it's a, in like PTE terms, it would be a 7275. Okay. Um, if, if anyone wants to compare. Um, so that turbo, uh, just ETS, four inch, 1G front mount intercooler, uh, JM Fab, race intake the like kind of old school one mm -hmm. that was still like a sheet metal like kind of box shape yeah. um and then i'm running right now i'm running a fuel tech ft600 for the engine management nice uh which i switched to that in 2019 and i mean they've been awesome uh there's a another really dsm guy um he has a or he had a 3000 gt that went sevens uh garrett chastain wow 
and he works for Fuel Tech now, but even before that, you know, he helped me with some setup stuff and, you know, got me going on that. Um, so he's been a really big help as well. But uh, yeah, I switched to them in 2019, mainly because I wanted, you know, it's the dash is integrated into it. It's all one oh, thing. Yeah, it's not separate boxes. Yeah. And then uh, I want everything talk to each other. Yep. <laughs> and then I wanted the ability to have a strain gauge in it for the dog box. So I didn't have to lift the shift or use the clutch or anything. Gotcha. So that's the basic setup, uh, Kelford 288 cams. Um, so how much boost are you running? On the 970 or 874 pass, uh, I was running 46 pounds of boost. Okay. Wow. Jeez. So, and that was in, that was just in third and fourth and it, you know, I probably ran like 35 and first, mm -hmm. maybe 40 and second in, uh, yeah, I did boost by gear. Yep. So, uh, there's definitely more room left in it. Um, oh, wow. I know some of the super 99 guys have been pushing, you know, 50 to 60 pounds of boost. So Jeez. I will probably end up running that turbo again on the new motor and leaning on it harder and seeing what it will do. See what it'll do. Yeah. So um, what do you think it's putting down? I know it's a thousand plus. We have you, uh, I've never actually done it. Okay. Done it. Yeah. So, um, you know, they asked me about it, you know, when that one other video came out, uh, -huh. uh from TRC and, you know, I guess it probably makes about 900 on like a Mustang Dyno, mm -hmm. 850, 900. Um, I know like Jason at TPG, his white Evo, it actually ran similar times, similar mile per hour. Yeah. And I want to say they made just over 900 on that, but okay. that car's a bit heavier than mine. Yeah, so it, I'm guessing I'm, I'm making a little bit less power. Right. Than and that that's car. all at the wheel on the Dyno. Yep. 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 So e easily a thousand at the crank. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Pretty, yes. pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, that was still stock crank not filled right uh, didn't have like a kiggly girdle on it or anything mm -hmm. still running a cometic head gasket <laughs> uh i don't know if you remember or not but years ago it was popular to run uh there was a guy on ebay that sold like valves and stuff uh his screen name on there was engine builder there's a lot of people that ran those uh valves and stuff which from what i was reading it's like he got like overstock from like um, maybe super tech or something like oh, that. Okay. So they're yeah. like name brand val valves, but maybe like just an put his name on it. Yeah. Resold but, uh, it. <laughs> yeah. So I got, you know, valves, lifters and guides for like, like all 16 for like 200 bucks. Wow. It was one of <laughs> so, those fell off a deal truck and fell, fell off a truck kind of yep. deals. You know what I mean? We, we do that in the oil field a lot. Like, oh, this fell off a truck. You, <laughs> so, you know, you might want to buy this. It's brand name stuff and uh, it's really cheap right now. You yep. know? <laughs> yep. So, you know, I definitely, I try to do stuff as right as, as possible, uh -huh. you know, and what I could afford and everything, but there's right. definitely, you know, I bought the dog box used, you know, the clutch was new, but I bought it with a dog box. I uh -huh. was pre-owned, pre I guess. Uh -huh. um, same with the turbo. Uh, again, got that off my friend Dan, and we actually, me, him, and then my buddy Joe kind of had a three-way turbo trade, uh, and that's kind of how I ended up with that. Okay, nice. Um, so I definitely did stuff on a budget, but Right. So if, if someone was trying to build your, your motor setup, what would they need to set aside for something like that? Um, for the bottom end, probably 2,500 bucks or so. Okay. Um, I probably had that in like the main stuff, meaning like pistons, rods, bearings, right. and then machine work. Um, obviously you'll have some more money into like the auxiliary stuff. Yeah, for sure. But, and then, I mean, the way I did the head, probably less than a grand. Okay. But you know, if you're going to have it built by somebody, you're probably going to have two grand or so into it, maybe a sure. little bit more, probably 2,500 with cams. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you can do them on a pretty low budget. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, so what, like maybe five, seven thousand dollars? Probably have a. I think nice that's setup. probably more more than enough to get that more than enough to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we talk. Uh, we talk about it a lot on the podcast because that, that's what I look for. I look for obviously guys who are building it themselves, and usually everything is done on a relatively great budget because you do a lot of the work yourself and you figure out a lot of things yourself. So, you know, obviously the time, the money that, that you're gonna spend in someone else doing the work is obviously in your time. But, yep. um, you know, to be able to say, <laughs> I got a five to seven grand in a motor and it's one of the world's fastest. I mean, that's pretty crazy, you know? I mean, that's pretty nuts. So obviously you had to upgrade the transmission as well. So yep. what's the transmission you're running? So it's a stock case. There's still a lot of stock parts in it, but it's a PPG wow, dog great. box gear set. Okay. So fully aftermarket gear set. Mm -hmm. um, even the input shaft, it uses the same splines like on an Evo. So uh -huh. I have to get like different uh, clutch discs for the clutch, stuff like that. Right, yeah. But I mean, everything bolts in. You know, I've had that apart myself a couple times too. Uh -huh. Have broken other things in that trans, <laughs> even the current one. Um, so you're still using clutch pedal and everything. I mean, yep. you're clutch pedal to launch it, but since yeah. I have the strain gauge, I don't have to use the good clutch for you, to shift man. it. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Oh, we had a Civic Si roll by us. He looked a little mad when he was looking at your car. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> not, not a not a big Mitsubishi fan. Not a big Mitsubishi <laughs> fan. No, not at all. I'm looking for They're... one of the not that specific one, but I am looking for an Si right now. If anyone has an, has an Si, a clean EM1, 99 2000, let me know. I'm looking. <laughs> Honda guys and Mitsubishi guys, they're like natural uh, enemies. They are, <laughs> but I like both. So, you know, I mean, I, mean, I guess I'm, I'm kind of, but I also like imports and I also like muscle cars and domestics. So um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm one of the weird guys who just kind of likes it, everything. I, I'm the same way. Anything that's fast and done well, you know, yes, I'm a fan of. Yes, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I picked up that MR2 and that's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to, it, yeah, so. I'd like to get, get to that. Yeah, because that's going to be a wild build as well. Um, but it runs, uh, like you said, it, it's running the stock transmission with upgraded gears in yep. it. So you're still doing conventional shifts? Yep. Wow, that's nice. And it's to run eight seconds with a conventional. So it's five, five speed? Uh, yeah, what? but there's no fifth gear. There's it no says fifth, yeah. technically a yeah. four speed. Nice, nice. Um, so you're running through, the, you're rowing through the gears like a, yep. like everybody else. Now wow, I did, awesome. I have a little bit of assistance. So uh -huh. um, probably two years ago or so, there's a couple, couple different options, but there was, uh, like these lockout shifters that were coming out. Yep. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Hoy Tran out of Texas. Uh, inline racing is his um, shop, uh -huh. and he makes like a really nice, um, you know, billet version mm -hmm. for the Evos and stuff. And I think he's he's making it for like B series and okay. K series stuff now. Um, but there wasn't anything available yet for the DSMs. I think he has one coming out uh, shortly, hopefully, because uh, he he makes a really really nice piece. And then the other option was boosting performance. You know, was working with a company called KDN, and they made a full aftermarket shifter. Wow! And but that's, I mean, it's pretty pricey. Yeah. You know, those go for about two grand. Uh, poise, I think, is like eight fifty or so. Yep. Um, so, I mean, eight fifty is totally fine for what it saves if you money shift. Okay. Um, but you know, it's still a decent chunk of change, and you know, yeah, there, ju sure. there just wasn't anything that still wasn't available for a for uh -huh. a DSM or a Gallant. So, um, you know, I was looking around and kind of made my own. I got um, you. Just it, bought necessity. some. Necessity, yeah, I mean, like, you, you look and it's like, do, it, do I really need this part to go this much quicker or can I do something on my own? Sorry, there's an 18-wheeler coming by right now. It might pick it up. I don't know, these are pretty good mics. So, yeah. um, 
So you did out of necessity. You were just like, hey, look, I'm gonna make my own. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. I mean, it's just one less thing to think about when you're going down the track. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't. You know, money shifting or anything like that. Missing a gear doesn't really get in your head mm -hmm. at that point. So it, it was well worth it. And for me to make it, it probably cost me 75 bucks to make it. Wow. So, yeah. I think Barno has a little lockout he made himself as yeah. well. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I think he saw mine and kind of got the same idea. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Nice. So, <laughs> You know, I mean, he basically, and he has... Uh, Barno, we're on to you. <laughs> he has a, I think it's a TWM, like shifter cage in that. Uh -huh. So with that uh, shifter cage, he was able to just kind of cut out uh, yeah. a similar shape in a just a flat piece of steel and it yeah. bolted right on. It bolted right in there. Yeah. I was like, what is that? And he told me, I was like, oh, that's just genius. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I definitely got to give uh, Hoi Tran credit for... for coming up with that idea. I mean, that was the first one I saw. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not like trying to make them to sell or anything. There just right. wasn't anything available. So, sure. you know, I was trying to, uh, you know, make something to, to help me go faster. Sure. Um, so I made that, you know, that never missed a shift since then. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> um, nice. And it's running through, I'm, I'm sure you have upgraded uh, diffs and everything and for the, yep. for your all wheel drive system. Yep. So the first time I actually had this down again trying to go eights mm -hmm. um it was the last test and tune of the year down in maryland and it would have been 2018 the first year i brought this shell out uh -huh. and you know i launched it pretty hard it wheel hopped and that dog box the dog box at the time had a stock front diff with like a phantom grip in it okay and it it sheared the uh the spider gears in that it just so, right off <laughs> yep so over the winter um i pulled that out uh Got a, I actually had to replace the bell housing because uh, when the gears broke, they wore a hole in it. Wow. And okay. then I bought a, a Quaif LSD front diff for mm -hmm. it and put that in. Raced on that for a little while and then ended up breaking the 3-4 slider. So I pulled the trans back out, replaced that slider, you know, put that back together. And then that actually happened. The slider I replaced over winter between, what, 2019 and 2020. At the same time, I actually cut the rear subframe apart and fitted a 3000 GT rear end in it. Oh, wow. Okay. So you can actually see that it's in the car Is it now. the VR4 that moves as well? I'm sure it's it, not. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, is it really? But so for people who don't know, the, uh, the VR4 3000 GT had active aero as well as active steering on the rear. So it had four wheel steering, yep. if I remember correctly, and it had active arrow in the front for the splitter and it had active arrow for the wing in the back. I actually didn't know that about the arrow. Yeah, yeah, the arrow was, but it's always, it's always jacked up because Mitsubishi's electronics are oh, yeah. Mitsubishi's electronics. And actually, if, if you didn't know this, so these had the same four wheel steering on it from the factory. Oh, did they really? Yep. Oh, okay, I did not it, know that. See? It wasn't very good, but you know, it was there. <laughs> That's if you, crazy. If you actually compare it to a stock 1G subframe, um, so there's what they call the like an active tow system on it. Uh -huh. So the trailing arm has a bushing that kind of like goes in and out of the trailing arm. Okay. So it tows in so you don't oversteer. Right. And I really, all the four wheel steering does is push on that bushing. So if you take off the rack, it's pretty uh -huh. much just how just 1G regular is. how it yep. was. That's crazy. But, but, I, I don't know. Do you follow F1 at all? Yes. Okay. So you know Mercedes has that on their their cars now on the front. Yeah. And that uh, was like the big deal. Dual axis steering. Dual axis steering. And that was like the big deal this year was like, oh, they had the dual axis steering. 
But I guess Mitsubishi was doing this years ago, so yep. you know. But they, I think they pull it in and out with the with the steering wheel. Yeah, which they is actually, crazy. They actually had a video on that showing how it yeah. works. There was some kind of plunger uh, with that, and it it had some kind of arm on it, and it the way that arm moved, it it shortened like the steering rack, so it would like tow it in or sure. tow it out. Sure. Yeah. And for everybody listening, the the reason why you would want that is to to warm up the tires up extremely well extremely fast which if you watch f1 you know why you need to warm up the tires um, if you don't it's because you, the cars are just running on glass until they get the tire temps up to up to temperature so um, so that was like a big deal earlier in the year as they mercedes had an unfair advantage because they had this system well it ends up being within the rules so yep. uh then everybody's like well we need one of those systems now you know? yep. <laughs> but it doesn't matter right now because red bull's winning in the points Max Verstappen can't be stopped right now, and uh, Lewis and Valtteri are—they're yep. not looking too good. They're struggling a little. They're bit. They're struggling a little bit. Yes, yes. I, I'd definitely like to see Max and Red Bull win. I mean, so my buddy's a huge Max guy, yeah. and I'm a big Lewis Hamilton guy. I hate to say it, but I am. And uh, so we we watch probably three or four races a year, and so we watched that last one at his house this, on Father's Day out there, and that was. That was fun to watch. Like, just as an F1 fan, it was a good oh, yeah. race to watch. Yeah. And I mean, I have nothing against you know Lewis Hamilton or anything like that. It just you know, kind of gets boring watching the same guy yep. win every single. Well, year, that's so. exactly what um, that's exactly what we say. You know, like as a fan of F1, I'd like to see someone else win, but I'm a fan of him. And it sometimes it gets a little boring when he kind of drives away and everything. But um, yeah, it was fun to see Max cut down that that gap that he had and pass him with no issues at all, yep. you know? And uh, I don't know, it was fun. I, I, at some point, you know, our, the, the podcast right now has been nothing but features of cars. I, I would like to get into, uh, you know, some of the side stuff like talking F1 with some people who, who really know it because it is, it's a great, um, it's a great racing series, you know, and Americans don't really understand it, you know, it's. Yeah, and it, it's. I really like it because obviously, you know, I like technology and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I like seeing, uh, you know, different solutions to different things, different problems. And then also the strategy part of it seems to be very huge right now. I think that's what won Max that race. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> there, yeah, the engineers behind it are everything right now. You know what I mean? So, but back to yours. So, okay, so you took the VR4 rear end subframe, put it yep. in, put it in this one right here. It bolt right in or did you... No, I, I had Oops. to cut a <laughs> cut a good bit out of the stock subframe to fit it, but okay. uh, it is still the stock subframe. Um, yeah, I like getting into fab projects sure. and stuff like that and seeing what I can do. So, and why did you upgrade to that rear end specifically? Uh, it's just a lot stronger. Okay. Um, I mean, the rear end itself is stronger, but also if you look at the cups, the actual cups that go into it, and compare it to like a four bolt rear end, mm -hmm. um, which is the better rear end for you know one G or mm -hmm. Galant, uh, they're just a lot beefier. And then also to make that swap a little bit easier, the drive shaft shot makes an axle bar upgrade. Oh, so nice. the, as far as the outside cup and the inside cup of the 3000 GT axle, that, all, that stuff all works, mm. but you need a shorter axle bar to make it, to make everything work. Gotcha. So since that swap has been become popular, um, that's like an off the shelf product now. Sure, sure, sure. So, right, so every so the whole drivetrain's been upgraded, and yep. that's what I always tell you know people who are at, like, I want to make more power. Like, well, you got to upgrade the transmission, you got to upgrade the rear end. In this case, all-wheel drive, you got to you know. You gotta yeah, do. honestly, if I was going to do it again, and you know the motor was at least even if it was stock, if it was in good shape, 
I mean, I'd focus on the drivetrain because that's yeah. that's where you have all your issues. So right. The I mean, the stock motors make good power. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a guy out in Ohio, uh, Eric Whistler, I believe is his name. He has an auto 1G and stock bottom end car, and he's gone like 9190 okay. in it, wow. something like that. All right. So he, he's on your tail. Yeah. I mean, it's a 1G, so I mean, yeah. they're definitely yeah. lighter and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, better aerodynamic, but I mean, this is a brick, so. Right. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> That's no, right. I mean, he's doing awesome stuff with that car. I mean, the tuning to be able to keep that together and stuff is, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you do to lighten up the body? Because uh, I saw, obviously you have carbon fiber, carbon fiber hood. Uh, we put your bumper on when we pulled this out and it was very light as well. And yep. then I saw some, maybe some fiberglass in the back back there. Yep, so carbon fiber uh, hood, which came from, again, came from my buddy Dan. Uh -huh. uh, we actually went up to Boston one time to get, he had a conversion van at the time, completely filled the back of the conversion van with parts and took a gallant shell parts. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and there's a lot of really good parts in there and he got a really good deal on it. So I bought some stuff off of them. One of the things was that hood and a fiberglass trunk lid. Okay. So the trunk lid is basically like the skin of a stock trunk lid. And it there's no spots for hinges or anything like that. It just snaps on with quick, quick latches. Okay. Um, again, car True race car. Yep. <laughs> You're not putting groceries in the back? Nope. Um, again, carbon fiber hood. Uh, it's a JDM front bumper, so really like the bumper support and stuff. Okay. That's pretty much untouched other than maybe a little bit of clearancing for the front mount. Okay. Um, so they're, they're pretty light stock, the JDM stuff. Um, and then I gutted the doors and have a uh, Lexian uh, windshield. So the rest of the body is pretty stock yep. at this point. Yep. Everything's steel, uh, you know, steel doors, uh, steel fenders, steel roof. Um, they do have a carbon fiber hood, or I'm sorry, carbon fiber roof mm -hmm. for it now and some other carbon fiber pieces, but uh, just haven't gone that route yet. Yeah, so. haven't felt the need, huh? Yep. Just put more power to it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we're going to work on getting it a little bit lighter. Um, I might pick up a set of, like, carbon or fiberglass doors. Okay. Um, I might, when I change the turbo setup, I might eventually do that other rear end or other carbon fiber front end. Um, it'll give me a little bit more room for a bigger intercooler. Um, the fenders are stock looking, but they're a little bit wider, so I can oh, run a wider tire. A wider tire, yeah. Yeah, talk so, about your wheel and tire setup, because a lot of people always ask about that. You know? So, I mean, honestly, it's uh, pretty much as cheap as you could go. They're <laughs> they're 15 by 7 uh, Rota slip streams. They're light. They are they're, Rotas, yes. Yep, they're yeah. light, they're cheap. Uh, aluminum lug nuts, and then... Uh, See, Rotas can hold up to this amount of power. I mean, yeah. A lot of people I mean, dog on the Rotas. Every, everyone says, uh, you know, fake parts break hearts, right? right. But, uh, <laughs> You know, I can't get wrong with uh, with Rotas. So. Yeah, yeah, I like the Rotas. I, I had a buddy in uh, when we were in high school that ran Rotas, and I remember everybody was, you know, all the JDM fanboys. They're like, well, they're knockoffs. You know, they're never going to hold up to that. Well, eh, this is fastest VR4 uh, Galant in the world, and it's running Rotas. So yeah, uh, on you, sir. <laughs> Steve, who I think was on your, your last podcast, yes. will probably give me a little bit of crap about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Know. Do you know Steve? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Steve's, nice. Steve's a good dude. And yeah, he's, man. He's so, he's such, I saw him, uh, we were at, I went to the uh, Monroeville uh, car show yep. over there and uh, he was there and he's such a good guy, man. Yeah, I, love, and, I, I mean, his, his car is incredible. I mean, his attention oh. to detail is second to none. I mean, he's like, uh, yeah, I won uh, first place engine bay. I'm like, no shit. Like it took <laughs> you three years to build it, man. Like that thing is, it, it you. You look like you clean it with a toothbrush. You I know? mean, <laughs> and I mean, there's probably a lot of details that a lot of people might not notice, but mm -hmm. 
for the people that know what they're looking at, I mean, the detail he went through is, is crazy. It's unbelievable. Like, I mean, just, uh, it was, we could have done a whole podcast on just his engine bay. Yep. And that's what I told him, you know. Um, but I didn't want to get lost in the weeds and, and, and lose the rest <laughs> of the car on it. Yeah, know? I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so... But, uh, but yeah, so R- Rotus, uh, what what's your uh, suspension setup and everything? Because suspension's a big a big deal with yep. uh, with drag racing. I mean, to be able to get that weight transfer and just and tune it in just right, uh, it's a it's a big big portion of it. And you got to slow down at some point. Yep. You know what I mean? So so again, more parts from uh, my buddy Dan. But <laughs> they're uh, did Dan build this car? I feel like Dan built this car. <laughs> uh, his parts built the car, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I bought a lot of most of my used parts came from him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is but, Dan uh, like the Gallant guy of the world? Is like everybody know that he has the Gallant parts? And um, I mean, I don't know about all the parts, but yeah. he's definitely well known in the Gallant community Is for he? sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Like I said, he, he goes back real far and uh, he's been fast for a lot of years. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just lo- like I said, Rota Slipstreams, um, JIC Magic um, coilovers. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you know, they're probably back in the day when people a lot of people were in those you know they were probably 1500 bucks or yeah. so so not not super cheap but not super high end either um and then i'm running uh mnh race master 24 and a half inch slicks which i'll be going to a taller slick uh next time it's out going to a 26 because i'm i could probably get away with that for a little bit longer but you know i'm already 9100 rpm or so through the traps oh. and fourth so yeah. uh need a little bit of taller tire to to drop that down a bit and then I'm running uh, Brakeman uh, front drag brakes, and then uh, Willwood rear drag brakes, which came from uh, TCE Performance. Uh, they do a bunch of different brake kits, drag brake kits, big brake kits, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, getting rid of that unsprung weight is huge. Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of people, anything that's unsprung or rotating weight, um, Yeah, yeah, explain that know. to everybody so, who, who's listening right now, because I think a lot of people don't understand that that that's a big a big portion of going fast there yeah so anything you know that's rotating wheels down to your lug nuts drive shaft stuff like that anything that you can make lighter you know that that really keeps the drivetrain together and allows you to go faster that's why you know a lot of people and I, I think Kurt Brown was maybe one of the first guys in the DSM community doing it you know ran like ceramic wheel bearings mm-hmm. um, I didn't go that far yet <laughs> but uh, that's you know one of the little little tricks mm-hmm. um, and then also the unsprung weight, which might be a little bit less important maybe on a drag car, but anything outside of what the springs are holding up. So wheels, brakes, stuff like that. Um, that is, it's being, I guess, held up by the ground versus the right. spring, so unsprung weight. Um, just that alone, removing that weight will make the car you know, handle better, accelerate faster, all that. So. Um, and then, yeah, uh, M&H Racemaster tires, which I'll be right. running those again, uh, just going to 26s next time. Okay, nice. So what is the, uh, obviously, like, like we said, the motor is out of here. So what's the next iteration of the car at this point? So I'll make a, a couple changes. I'm going to try going with a drive-by-wire throttle body, like off of a Porsche, an 82-millimeter oh. Bosch drive-by-wire throttle body. It's uh-huh. pretty popular for anyone doing that. Uh-huh. Um, Does that give you better throttle response, or is it just? Um, part of it for me is it cleans up the engine bay. You don't have like a throttle okay. cable and stuff. Right. But also, 
and I'm not there yet, but trying to kind of future-proof it a little bit, depending on traction control if I ever need it, you can do tiered traction control with some ECUs. And oh, nice. um, part of that, you can pull timing, pull boost, and if it gets bad enough, you can have it automatically close the throttle body mm -hmm. on, um, you know, to save the car or whatever. So you can do a lot of things with that. So I'm just trying to future-proof the car a little bit. Understand. Um, and then one more shout out. To make all that work, you can use an Evo 10 uh, accelerator pedal, which just oh. bought off eBay. Right. But there's a guy named uh, Travis Yoler. Hopefully, I'm saying his last name right. He makes a billet pedal mount to that'll bolt to the stock location and then allow you to just bolt up an Evo 10 pedal. Oh wow! So, thanks to him for making that. Um, can't really make it much easier than that. Sure. Sure. Uh, so I'll do that. I'm gonna do a JMF. Uh, Jam Fabrications uh, billet intake manifold. I might make my own exhaust manifold this time, do like a forward-facing setup, mm -hmm. um, and probably the same turbo at least to start out. Now, as far as the motor goes, I'll pour another head, probably gonna run the same cams. Um, I'm running all the Kigley stuff that he makes, if you're familiar with him, uh, Kigley Racing. Um, so valve springs, his HLA for inside the um, HLA regulator, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, which is inside the head to regulate the pressure to the uh, lifters, uh, oil pressure, and then um, also his girdle uh, for the bottom end to hold all the main oh, caps nice. together. Everything together yeah. um, so the head will pretty much be the same, and then the bottom end is same pistons, but I'm gonna go with r, &R solid beam aluminum rods, same rod length and everything, and uh, I'm gonna fill the block okay. and go with a mechanical fuel pump. This is beefing everything up. Yep. Getting ready. Yep. So, you know, what, the, what do you eventually want to run in this? I what mean, do you think it, it'll run? Long, long term, uh -huh. I, I would like, I'd kill to hit a 799. Ooh. But I'm, I'm a long, long way from that. So, short term goal, you know, when I get it back together, I want to break the cage cert, which is 850. So, yeah, that's eight, what I was going to ask you is the cage certified for yep. seven, uh, seven, it's, 799? It's certified to 850. 850, so. okay. So you know, once I go there. faster than that, yep. you know, I might be able to get away with it at some places, but right. really needs. Well, they'll run you out. Well, you can run it, and then you get to run off the track. And yep. <laughs> so, you know, once I get to that point, you know, I'll upgrade the cage and everything like that. I already actually bought the SFI book to do all the plans oh, did for you that. Really? Oh, yep. Nice. And then, uh, but the yeah, short-term goal. Once I get it back together, uh, I want to get to the next 10 mile an hour mark, so 170, and okay. go 849. Wow. What's it like? Uh, what's the experience like when you just take off in this thing is it so going it, down the track the acceleration part to me anyway isn't that crazy okay. uh it depends on what track you're at at keystone you're skating all over the place okay. so yeah. it's a little bit more interesting <laughs> sure but at a track like maryland with jason miller prepping it was almost boring i mean it went straight down the track no issues right it gets a little bit more exciting though when you pull the chute in yeah. my opinion yeah you know and you do um, run a shoot on this, so yeah. Yep. I posted up, the first picture I posted up was that with the shoot. So I was like, I'll let everybody know, like, hey, this is a serious car. This isn't, uh, <laughs> yep. you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, as long as you do everything right and don't have, you know, brain fart or whatever, it's usually not too bad. But you can definitely, if you have a crosswind or something, you can really full, feel the shoot pulling you around. So, okay. at 160, which, depending on on who you are, it may be fast. It might might not be, but. It's it's a little sketchy pulling you around. Well, I have to fast. say, 160 is pretty fast, man. <laughs> so. I'd say for the majority of the people that listen to this have never gone 160 miles an hour in their life, unless they were on an airplane. Yeah, <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> but 
you know, when I went 927 at 156, you know, I kind of kind of had a brain fart a little bit and you know, hit the brakes, still had the the clutch out so it nose over pretty hard when the clutch pulled and you could definitely feel it pulling you to the side, but luckily the car settled down and it was fine, but nice. Every other time if you do it right, you pull the chute. It feels like someone stabs stabs the brakes, especially the first time you uh -huh. do it. Um, but you know, I feel like Keystone has a pretty short shutdown and I was able to come to a complete stop and let the guy go in front oh, of me. Oh, that's good. So, that's good. You know, it, it definitely does its job. That's good. So you have a, you have a wife, a girlfriend or? Uh, my girlfriend, Sarah. Okay. Um, what does she think about this thing right here? I always like to get the perspective of the girlfriend <laughs> or the wife because obviously I have one of those. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, she's, she's very supportive. She pretty much lets me do whatever I want to do with it. You know, she has, you know, her passion, she does like bodybuilding stuff. Oh, good. You know, like right. a, that, that's what my wife does. Okay. So does she does like exact bikini thing. shows and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And she's, oh, someone just rolled by in a Mustang, gave us a little rev. He knows what's going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she's real serious with that. So, you know, I support her when she's doing prep stuff like that. And uh -huh. then she supports me doing this. That's now, there's awesome. There's definitely times where she gets a little frustrated. I might, you know, spend a little bit too much time with the car, you know, that's that fine. week or whatever. But, yes. you know, it's all good. Nice. Nice. Yeah, uh, Jen's the same way. I, I fully, fully in when she's prepping. She's in prep mode right now, and like, you know, today she's like, "You're golfing and doing a podcast. When are you gonna be home?" I'm like, yeah. uh, "I'll be home when I be home," you know. Yep. <laughs> so, but she gives me a lot of leeway because uh, you know I, I, I help her out uh, also a lot. You know what I mean? So, so what's it feel like to uh, to be the holder of the uh, the fastest in the world for a uh, make and model of of I mean, certain type of car. I'm definitely definitely pretty proud of it. Yeah. Um, Does it keep you up at night thinking that someone else is going to try to go faster than you? Uh, is there anybody close to going faster than you? Yeah. Um, I'll get to that in a second. Okay. But Perfect. yeah, I mean, when I was going for it, I was definitely, you know, checking Facebook to see, you know, when it was racing season, see if anyone, you know, mainly got to eights because okay. that, that was really the goal. I wanted to be the first to the eights, which I missed it by a couple weeks, uh -huh. but. Um, oh, so someone did go eights before you? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. And know. so he held the he held the crown for a little while. For a little while, a couple okay. weeks, okay. probably maybe <laughs> a, a month. Weeks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was definitely like super, like trying to go after it. You know, try to go out as much as I could with the car. Uh, you know, pending you know if something broke or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit more relaxed now that like I got my eight. I I wanted to hit eights in 160. I accomplished that. So that's why I'm not racing the car this year. I'm trying to take the time off to relax a little bit, you know, and build it to the next phase of the car. Sure. So, sure. But, uh, yeah, so the guy that went eights first, his name is uh, Christian Goodrum. Uh, he's out of uh, somewhere in Colorado. Okay. And, you know. I might not, be going out there next week, but uh, I might have to find him and say, hey, yeah. man, he works a grudge now. <laughs> I think he works for Jack's Trans, so, you know, oh, okay. definitely I'm sure he knows, like, the transmission stuff. And his car is actually super super impressive to so he went 895 at i want to say 154 on that pass um but if you look in that car a little bit deeper um it's only a 64 66 so a little bit smaller turbo than what i have he still ran dsm link which is a stock computer-based ecu and it was still on a synchrotrans oh wow so literally stock gear set i mean that car is That's super crazy. impressive yeah um it's might not be, you know, super nice to look at on the outside. It's a little bit rough looking on the outside, but as most most race cars are. <laughs> and if, but if you look underneath of it, if you look in the engine bay, everything's mint. Really, like engine bay is painted, looks perfect. Underside of the car is like super nice looking, 
And like he did a, an amazing job with that car, came out of nowhere. And the other thing I was happy about, uh, even though he beat me to eights, was it was a manual car. There's yeah. a lot of manual versus auto stuff in the, yes. in the DSM world. Yeah, well, um, that's just drag racing, racing world in general. You yep. know, I mean, a lot of people say you can never shift faster than an auto, which I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, there's something about actually manually rowing your own gears yep. and actually physically getting the car down the down the track rather than just letting off a button and going for it you know yep. what i mean and steering it yep so i mean i was a little bummed out that he got there you know a little bit before i did but i was super happy to see that it was a manual car so there's actually a group um group message on facebook with a lot, a lot of the fast gallant guys okay and most of them are auto but everyone helps each other out which they've been that's good Huge motivator, huge help um, for me getting That's where fantastic. I'm at right now. Uh, there's previous record holders, a uh, guy named Nelson, who had the record for uh, eight years, seven uh -huh. years, something like that, until another guy in the group, uh, his name was Pano. He went uh, 923 and then 920, who was also an auto car. And then, honestly, at the time, I didn't know about Christian. And to me, he kind of came out of nowhere and he went 918. And then a little bit later that year, he went 9.01. Oh, wow. He was very close to eights. And then didn't really hear much about him until the fall of the following uh -huh. year. They went 8.95. And, you know, he was the first one to the eights. So sure. definitely congratulations to him. Yeah, shout out to him for sure. Because yeah. he, he will always have the, uh, the first of the eights title. Right. The record will always yeah. fall. Someone will always go faster. Right. But he'll always be able to say he's well, the first Now it's a race eights. to the sevens, right? Yep. <laughs> Hopefully I can be that guy, but we'll see. That's a, that's a long, long way from where yeah, I am Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. So, but, so it doesn't keep you up at night or anything? Like, oh, man, I bet that guy is probably doing this right now. To... Uh, I mean, it doesn't keep me up at night. I definitely think about it. I'm, I'm okay. always wondering what everyone else is doing to see, you awesome. know, how everyone's going to go faster. So, yeah. but, you know, I'm always thinking about that, it's a, too. It's a gentleman's competition, you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of money on the line, but there's definitely bragging rights. You know? For sure. <laughs> and I mean, even just myself and, and my car, you know, there's there's times where I'm just kind of looking at it and thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe if I tweak this one thing, you know, it'll make it go faster. Sure. This removing this one thing will make it lighter, make the, the weight bias better, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever I'm looking at. It's at constantly time. working in your head. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Awesome, man. So what do you do for a day job? For everybody so you went you said you went to wyotech yep i went to wyotech which is awesome and uh, then i went to penn state baron so okay. have you know a mechanic background i worked at a ford dealership for a little while as a as a tech and then like i said went back to penn state for mechanical engineering technology um graduated there in 2012 after you know started a little bit late because i went to wyotech and mm -hmm. stuff and then i worked for actually a vinyl extrusion company uh, I'm the plant engineer there, so I do a lot of maintenance, troubleshooting, stuff like that. So oh, wonderful. I'm kind of always thinking through, you know, mechanical or electrical issues, yes. whether it's on my day job or working on this or working on another car. So. That's good. Well, it keeps your mind going. You know yeah, what I mean? for it keeps sure. It keeps you sharp at all times. Yep. You know, so. Well, tell me about this, uh, this MR2 because uh, you, you also have some other projects yep. as well. Uh, uh, Gallants aren't your only passion. Yep. <laughs> Anything that's, you know, clean and fast. And yes. it doesn't even have to necessarily be clean. You know, rat rods, stuff like that. I think that's all cool. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, like, I've heard other people say, there's a, a video that came out on 1320 video. Uh -huh. It was like a kind of a green-colored K-Swap MR2 making, I don't know, 900 horse or something uh -huh. like that. This is a... a 
Is this his first gen MR2? Uh, I think it would be a second, second gen. gen. I'm sorry. The first gen was the boxy, the boxy yep. one. Yeah, that's right. That was real tight. Looked like a Fiero almost. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and the second gen is a little more rounder, and then the third gen is like, ugh, they yeah, kind of lost their way. Although I will have to say, we saw one on the road. I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and Jen's like, "Ooh, what is that? I like that car." By the way, she likes ugly cars, like really <laughs> ugly cars, like Triumph TR6s from yep. like the late '70s. She likes that. I'm like, I'll. I'll I'm like, babe, I'll buy you a, a, I'll buy you a nice convertible car, but just don't pick the ugliest one. I mean, <laughs> I can't have a Triumph or, or a third gen MR2 sitting in my garage, man. Like, yep. it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's an SW20. Okay. Uh, so I guess second gen with second the flip-up yep. headlights and stuff. And I saw that video on 1320. I'm like, man, that is like super cool. Uh -huh. You know, still has like the the four cylinder kind of background because I always like that because I right. like. You know, kind of being the underdog a little mm -hmm. bit with like the V8 guys. My dad has always been a V8 guy, you know, kind of gave me some shit about, you know, liking the Fast <laughs> and the Furious cars, stuff like that. Always, man. Um, always. Until, until I took him for a ride in my 2G, I think, and then he didn't really say anything after yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> probably, but, yeah, uh, wouldn't say a whole lot, yeah. But uh, anyway, so I saw that and I was like, man, I, I need to build one of those someday. Uh -huh. And, you know, I had an Evo 10 and then I, I sold that to get a truck and a trailer. Uh -huh. um, yeah, which so is, I, I is a nice truck and trailer here, by the way. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, because I wanted to get a little bit more serious about racing. So, but I kind of had that void where I wanted a, a car that I could kind of daily drive that's uh -huh. quick and fun to drive. Don't really like di daily driving a truck, so. Right. Um, I was going to wait till probably next year, and then I, I came across a deal on a blown up MR2, which I didn't really care because I wanted to case swap it. Sure. Uh, so Perfect. I picked that up. Uh, I don't know, two or three months ago. Haven't really done anything to the car yet, uh, but I've been kind of gathering all the swap parts to do it. Awesome. Um, now those are, uh, it's a it's a rear wheel drive, rear wheel uh, motor, correct? Yep. Everything's in the back, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. So everything, everything, it's, it would just be like putting a, a front front motor and a rear a rear rear. Yeah, really. and it has the same orientation and everything if oh, the wow, K-Series okay. was in, you know, a Civic or whatever. Right. So uh, there's a, a place called Hux Racing. Uh, the owner's Eric Hux. He makes like motor mount kits and mm -hmm. some swap parts for it. So um, I'm waiting on some parts from them uh, to actually build a motor in. I didn't, didn't buy a motor yet, so I still got to do that. Uh, but at least starting out, just going to be stock motor, stock trans. I might do a different aftermarket gear set because I hear they're, they're pretty weak in the K-Series yeah. trans. And, uh, well, it depends on how much you're yeah, really putting down. Yeah. I mean, Steve puts down a pretty good amount of horsepower. He runs a stock trans in it. So, know? I mean, I probably will run that for yeah. a little while. Um, but you're probably going to want to race it at some point, I would guess. Probably at some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to start out. I forgot who I was talking to here. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm going to start out hoping it's, you know, just a street car. I mean, I am going to turbo it. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to make somewhere between 450 and 550 on the street. And, uh, hopefully just enjoy it for a while not i don't really at least at this point don't want to gut it or cage it or anything yeah. so i have this for that yeah um but i just want a really fun street car and a little go-kart like that I yeah don't, i don't think you can get too much better as far as the fun factor yeah well it's funny you know we were at that like i said at that uh monroeville uh, uh show over there uh the pittsburgh car scene show and there was a lot of guys who have already been on the podcast that by the way like there's a lot of them that don't know each other they just happen to be there and like they just happen to be in the scene and like i talked to three or four of them and they're the same way you know they have 
they have cars that they've built really, really nice. Some of them have raced them. Some of them are, are extremely well restored and everything. They're like, I just want a car I can get in and go have fun and not like break the bank. And if it gets a scratch, I'm okay with that, you know. Uh, and that's where I'm at too. I'm the same way as you. Like I, I have, I have muscle cars and cars that I like restored that I'd love, and I'm, I would just hate if something happened to them. And it's hard for me to drive them and feel like comfortable in them. You know what I mean? Because yep. I'm, I'm worried about it all the time. And like, I just want something now I can just get in, drive, be comfortable, have a little AC, have some tunes. Yep. And like, hey, if I want to drive from here to DC tomorrow, I can hop in that thing and go. You yep. know what I mean? I don't have to worry about overheating or power steering or anything like that. Yeah, know? and that's that's kind of my hope for the MR2. Um, you know, got it for less than two grand. Mm -hmm. You can buy K-Series or a dime a dozen. Yes. You can get them for less than a grand. So, you know, if I break something, I'm not really too worried about sure. it. Sure, sure. Um, and it should be, with that kind of power, it should be pretty reliable. Oh, that'll be drive fun. it all over the place. Yeah, and you live right next to the tollway. You can just go flying up and down the tollway all yep. day long. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the car is, you know, it's a little rough, so I'm going to paint it and stuff like that. Hopefully get that at least painted by fall sometime yeah. well you've painted your own so i think you're yep. going to be able to get, by the way the paint job you put down on this is beautiful it's wonderful thank Can't you i mean you did I'm, it in your garage <laughs> yeah i'm definitely no pro but uh it, it turned out well for where it I looks did, great I think. I think the pictures are going to show it looks great so um but yeah hopefully you get that done by then and i, I bought the car because it was it was rust free and it was a complete car so still has all your window controls yep. and stuff in it so again kind of like you were saying once i put it back together you know, probably have AC in it, still has, you know, yep. head unit and all your speakers and everything. So it, it'll be all it'll the be creature a good comforts. Time. Yep. Still yeah. has power windows. Yep. So, well, so this one right here, if um, back to your Gallant, if someone wanted to build something like this, what, what do you think you have in as far as total money in it right now? If someone wanted to go out and try to build something like this. So made a spreadsheet a little while oh while yes see i like guys <laughs> like you that, that makes spreadsheets i don't do that because i i just want to guesstimate and tell people you know i think it costs this much money. yeah <laughs> i so never want to see there, the final number <laughs> i kind of figured i'd do it after uh another guy that was in the galant group chat who's uh -huh. helped me out a bunch he had a really nice galant vr4 he ended up partnering it out um but he actually was the reason why all the carbon parts at least the current version like there are some hoods and stuff before, but mm -hmm. all the like three piece front end, the roof, stuff like that. He's the reason all that stuff exists right okay. now. Cause he actually bought a Gallant shell that was, I don't think it was complete. Like the car was complete, but it was a shell and it was straight. And he sent it over to Sergio at Carbonetics uh -huh. and had all the fenders and all stuff made off of it. Bucks made and yeah, everything off of so, it. So, yeah. you know, his car had all that stuff on it. And you know, he made a spreadsheet and I think he said like, he didn't, he never ended up finishing it uh -huh. and he was at like 75 grand or something like Ooh. that. So that's racing. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm nowhere near that. You know, I, <laughs> I, like I said, did as much as possible myself, you know, about used parts, stuff yeah. like that. Um, I did new parts, obviously like in the engine and stuff like that, but anything that I felt comfortable with buying used, I bought used, try to save a couple bucks. But I mean, with the dog box, built motor, all that, I mean, I had just over. 40 into it including that's, the price of the car that's nice hey look if anybody uh you know is listening is like man 40 grand to to have the crown of fastest you know whatever in the world i think anybody would take that 
yep. would take that number right now. And I mean, especially because you hear some of these guys dropping six figures on cars to go out and race, and then they're spending another, you know, three to five every weekend in broken parts or just, you know, everything that goes along with, with just racing. I think that would be, that's a, that's a great number. You know? For sure. And I mean, the other thing to keep in mind, it wasn't like I just went out one day and dropped 40 grand on a right. 91 Galant VR4. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was spent over, you know, 10 or 11 years. Yeah, years so, and years, sure. Uh, sure. It was definitely, you know, was a progressive build. You know, I did yeah. try to do maybe one big thing a year uh -huh. because here's another thing that a lot of people seem to get caught up in. They'll start to build a car. They'll have they say, I want to do this, this, and this. And then they'll, I guess I'll get, I guess I'll say kind of get overwhelmed and they'll never mm -hmm. finish it, which right. I did that with a 1G. Mm -hmm. So what I always tried to do with this was do just enough where I could get it done over winter mm -hmm. and race it every year. That's good. So yeah, that's this, good, this year's the exception, advice. but, uh, you know, it's great advice. You always have to enjoy it. And I think yeah. um, like the sloppy mechanics guys, uh, I think his name's Matt Happel. Mm -hmm. He kind of preaches that too. You yeah. know, even if it's not perfect, at least you enjoy the car and that'll motivate you to, to, to keep it going. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, you won't give up on it. You'll enjoy it. You know, do the piece of power tour, do yeah. like an ice cream cruise or something like yeah. that. And, you know, you'll eventually get there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I've come to a few times in builds where I'm like, I, this is just overwhelming. I, I'm there with my Chevelle right now, and uh, I have probably haven't touched it in probably, I don't know, six or seven weeks. And uh, I'm like, after going to that car show last week and seeing everybody, I, I got kind of got re-motivated. So, yep. uh, but everybody gets to that time in the build where it's like, this is, this, I'm in way too deep right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and they, you know, they might, I mean, they might have the skill and they just right. don't have the motivation. They, like you were saying, you get overwhelmed. You're like, how can I finish this? Yeah. Or there's some people that get to a point and they don't think they can, maybe they don't have the skill set right now, but if you really put the time into it, you always learn. I mean, I learned right. by just doing it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a lot of us. So, you know, yeah. I think that's a lot of us. Uh, you know, that's how I learned is the same way is, you know, just get out there and everybody asks like were you trained or did your dad do this or and I was like nah man I just I bought a car and I took it apart and it's got to go back together the yep. same way it came apart so you know and you kind of learn after a few cars you build it's a lot of the same thing you know the clips look a little different the bolts may look a little different but it's pretty much the same thing it's an engine a trans an interior yeah, a body and you get yeah. a little bit better each time like right. I redid the engine harness or at least partially redid it probably four times and it gets a little bit better a little bit cleaner each time right so, yeah yeah exactly. you know it might not be perfect the first time but if you get it working that's a success you yeah. know be be motivated by that sure. you know sure so uh where, where can everybody find you so i mean obviously i've tagged you on a lot of things on instagram are, are you in any other places where they yep, can find I'm you on instagram facebook um my Instagram name is Gumby4G63. Yeah, yeah, Everyone give me the me give me the give me the Gumby background too, because so, a lot of people that's what a lot of people call you. Yeah, so my, my last name is Gombus, so you know, like you were asking me how to pronounce my my last name. A lot of people called me Gumbus or something like that. Yeah. You know, in previous years some people started calling me Gumby. So that's kinda <laughs> that's kinda how it stuck. And um, you know, so everything's Gumby. You know, I have some Gumby yeah. tune stickers. Um, yeah. And so do you tune other people's cars? Or are you still, do. you do that? Okay. Yep. Right. Uh, not like really for like a profession or anything right. like that, but I do stuff on the side. You help people out, sure. Um, so a friend of mine, Derek, uh, he has an Evo 9. And 
we kind of twisted his arm a little bit to go to a standalone and uh, a mutual friend of ours, Joe, said, oh, I could tune it because it's yeah. an AM standalone. That's what I had before uh -huh. the fuel tech. So we did that. There was a stock motor, um, stock cams. The only thing not stock in the motor was head studs on an FP Red, and we ended up making 507 horse wow. on uh, Six Stars Mustang Dyno. Wow. Um, went to race that. He did, the best he did was like an 11.1 at 128. So he had the mile power to do 10s, okay. but didn't hit it. And um, another Mustang kinda, guy. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's a Camaro guy. That's one of my peoples. Don't uh, worry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Chevy guy at heart. So, oh, yeah. Man, it's, yeah. Well, my dad has an old uh, 41 Chevy that we put a 6.0 LQ4, like what's in my truck. In oh, that, okay. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I tuned Derek's car. Uh, had like the cheap vacuum line on it that everyone runs. I ran the same thing, uh -huh. even at that point. And he had one of the lines pop off for the fuel pressure regulator and it went lean and ended up putting a rod through the block. Ooh. So I don't know if uh, you follow Busher Racing at all, but they've yeah. had all kinds of shit going on with that, you know, with the old owner and yep. Dave buying it back or, or not buying it back, but taking it back. And uh, Derek kind of went through that, waited like seven months for his motor, oh, but geez. hopefully everything's good. Seems like it's good. He's put some miles on it now, built motor, and um, doing a turbo swap now. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. But Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't be releasing anybody's uh, stuff. He's yeah. doing that, so good. we're going to try to lean on that a little bit harder, and hopefully, I don't know awesome. if he's trying to do it, but I'm trying to twist his arm to try to go single digits. Yeah. So oh, good for you, man. We'll see how that thing goes, and then... Um, guy I work with, uh, did some stock ECU tuning on his Evo 10. And there's another Evo 10 that's gonna have a Haltech in it. We're gonna try to tune that. And then another friend of mine that has another super clean Gallant, his name's uh, Craig. He's also in, in Ohio, he's a white one. And uh, super clean build, um, put a Haltech standalone in it, like smart wire, mm -hmm. PDM, uh, 64, 66 with a dog box. Uh, it's gonna be pretty serious, yeah, pretty but um, he asked me about tuning that. So hopefully, uh, so you, you yeah. got some stuff in the pipeline. Yep. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. So they can find you on Instagram at uh, Gumby 4G63. Gumby 4G63. Um, just Mike Gombus or Michael Gombus on Facebook. Okay. And uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah, there's no tuning website or anything like no, that that you run. No, nothing yet. <laughs> nothing yet. So yeah, well, good. Well, I mean, you know, obviously I'm gonna take a lot of pictures. I always put it up on on my website, uh, RadRidesPodcast.com. And uh, obviously, I post a lot of pictures on, on Instagram and Facebook and everything like that. So, uh, and if anybody has any questions, they can hit you up on both of yep. those things. Uh, yep, message me on either one. I'm, okay. I'm happy to answer any, you know, any questions or anything like that. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, if you want to email the podcast, you know, uh, radridespodcast at gmail.com. It's pretty easy. So, uh, I really appreciate you bringing this out, man. This was, this was great. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, you man. Know, I, I could talk about that thing all night. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, know, I appreciate yeah. it. Well, I, I was talking to a few guys, and they're like, they're like, uh, maybe you should start doing like a couple thirty-minute ones. And I'm like, well, thirty minutes isn't enough. Like, especially for a guy like you who has completely built this thing, and it's it is what it is. Like, thirty minutes just isn't enough. You right, know? Yeah, and I, I mean, I've listened to other ones, other podcasts. I mean, I've listened to yours yeah, obviously, sure. but listened to like real tuners and yeah. uh, stuff like that, and. Even the Sloppy Mechanics one, uh, they had Robert from Force Performance on there, which was, it was like three hours. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know. Yeah, if you're I'm into it, you're into in it. Yeah, yeah, if you're into it, you're into it. So, but uh, man, I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, uh, 
you know, get on there, check him out. Obviously, we're, we're, I'm going to have mine, and uh, there's going to be more to come. So I really appreciate it, man. This was yep. great. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Mike for bringing out that awesome 4G63 1991 Gallant VR4. It's weird. It's wacky. He built it himself. Uh, it's everything that this podcast is about. It's everything that I'm looking for uh, when I'm going out there and uh, scouting out cars. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, Mike obviously knows what he's talking about. He built a fantastic car. If you want to know more about it, obviously you can get on the website, radridespodcast.com. Check it out there. You can actually find him on Facebook at Michael Gombos. Or you can find him on Instagram at Gumby4G63. Uh, he also does some custom tuning. So if you need something like that done on your car, uh, he can help you out uh, with that as well. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast. Uh, you know, give me some feedback. Get online. Uh, send me some emails. Let me know if you like it, what you don't like about it. Uh, I got a few guys that said uh, sometimes these are a little long, so maybe I'll try to cut these down or maybe try to do some uh, some quick hitters and do uh, maybe a few full features. But uh, let me know how you like it. Uh, I thank you so much for listening. Uh, without you listening, I probably wouldn't be doing this. I'd just be hanging out and uh, talking to everybody at car shows and uh, not sharing these people with the world. Uh, if you have any, for any more information, again, just email me, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time.